Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the show today. Today we have Dr. Davis McAllister. He is a coach, a public speaker, and a sports chiropractor. He is also the author of The Pillars of Powerful Parenting. Guess what your teen told me today? Oh, (laughs) 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 I had lots of guesses, probably none of them right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Dr. Davis. Thank you so much for being here. could you please, for the benefit of our listeners, expand on the introduction that I just gave about you? So uh, yeah, I've got a pretty you know, varied background. Uh, I've been a chiropractor for 20 years. Uh, got into sports right away. I've had a pretty extensive sports background. I spent eight years in the military right out of high school. I was an athlete in high school, played college football, uh, walked on at a D1 school, ended up getting to play. And, and uh, so, you know, really wanted to kind of take my career in that direction. And after a few years, we kind of hit that economic crunch back around 2007, 2008. And we were still doing very, very well. But I found myself, um, you know, all the people that are are patient-based, we're kind of an insurance-based practice at the time. And people were getting laid off. We were losing our jobs. And uh, we found ourselves in a position where we were going to have to scale back because our overhead was too high and, you know, and, and our patient base was dropping off and, you know, those kind of those ebbs and flows that you get, but that things that are out of your control, um, you know, inflation and, and deflation and all those things that tend to happen. So, uh, we also ended up in a situation, my wife got very, very sick. Um, I ended up having to be home, uh, with my kids a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the things that was a stark slap of reality for me. This kind of goes into that work balance uh, issue that people you know, seem to, I think, neglect more than anything else is <clears throat> when I was forced to be at home with my kids, it was a stark slap of reality that I had no idea who my kids were. Oh. I didn't know what they liked. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what their tendencies were as far as, I mean, you, when you have five children, all of them have different personalities. I mean, they all have different likes and different ways that you have to approach them with different things. And I didn't have a clue what, you know, what was going on with my kids. And it was, for me, that was kind of a harsh slap. So uh, I kind of changed gears a little bit and decided to actually cut back into more of a part-time practice and got a job at the school district as a director for health science. And uh, they found out that I had played some college ball and they said, Hey, do you want to coach? I was like, 
sure, I'll coach. And, you know, and so I've actually, you know, been a coach uh, for the high school level for about 15 years, uh, even though I've, you know, switched back over and gone back into uh, full-time practice, you know, uh, had built up quite a reputation in North Texas as a uh, powerlifting coach. And when we moved to the new school, my uh, daughter and son had checked in and the powerlifting coach that went out for powerlifting on the first day and uh, coach saw their name and said, is your dad coach McAllister that coached out in West Texas? And they were like, yeah. And they said, can I have his number? Cause I need to call him. And they, he ended up calling and said, will you please coach our powerlifting team? And uh, so we kind of worked out how that would work. And so I do that in the mornings, um, Monday through Wednesday. And then uh, so we start workouts about 530 in the morning uh, till seven. And then I come to work and then, you know, in the evenings I go through, do planning for the next day and then work on my, you know, speaking things. And, you know, I've got another book I'm actually working on right now uh, talking about success principles and those things types of things. So, um, but I've been able to, you know, transition back to being in full-time practice, still being able to coach my kids. And, uh, I work for a nonprofit clinic actually in North Texas in Frisco. Uh, it's called the Parker Performance Institute. And our primary focus, you know, we treat general population, but our primary focus, and this is kind of how our clinic started. Uh, we were treating veterans with traumatic brain injury. And we were seeing a lot of the patterns and a lot of the issues because at the time, you know, a lot of people were familiar with the the 22, you know, they had 22 veterans that were committing suicide a day uh, as a result of the wake of all the stuff in Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm-hmm. And we started finding a way because I work with, uh, we have a medical neurologist here. We have a couple of other chiropractors that work in functional neurology. I handle things more on the physical side as far as general chiropractic, but I'm also a strength and conditioning coach. So we do a lot of exercise rehab, trying to get them moving again. Uh, their bodies really beat up as well as their brains and kind of put a whole package together. So that's kind of how we started. And now we've progressed to, uh, we're working with uh, retired NFL players uh, that have you know, having a lot of the same issues, but, you know, different mechanisms. And, and, and so we've really worked and now we're kind of getting some high school athletes coming in. I've got some college athletes coming in. And, uh, and the thing that I really love is because it, we are a nonprofit, our decisions are not money-based. It's, you know, cause that, unfortunately in the medical field, you see that a lot. You'll, people will make money-based decisions where their patients are concerned. When you get, when you get our opinion of what you need, it's truly what you need. Yeah. It's not based on, on money. So, yeah. So, so is, that, where I am now. is that your, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, is, so do you find yourself being able to give the attention to each that you want or how are you able to, to sort of manage all of those projects? It, it is it is essential to uh, you have to be organized. I mean, you have to you have to be organized. You have to have a support team. Uh, you know, my wife is a huge help with everything, especially organizing. She's you know also uh, instrumental in helping with my speaking side, and uh, been helping a lot with uh, you know the books and and kind of monitoring those that side of things. Mm-hmm. And she's actually decided she's going to start trying to get her own. She wants to do her own little T-shirt business on Etsy, I think, uh, that she wants to get up and going. So um, and my older daughter, that's uh, she's in school to uh, go to nursing school. She wants to help 
help with that as well. So we just, we're just people that stay busy, but when we do things, the majority of what we do, we do as a family. So uh, that helps with some of that budgeting because I already know, you know, this is, this is the time I'm also going to get to spend, but also use that time for teachable moments so that I can teach my kids success principles and the things that they need to be able to do so that they can continue on. And, and thus far, all of our kids have been, you know, successful in th- everything that they've tried. So, um, which I mean, be, growing- they can take that on as uh, subconsciously, yeah. these great principles, um, all these learning moments, but to have it just engulfed in mm-hmm. that, I think is a great environment. No. And, and I think one of the important, I mentioned to this, I was in a, a another talk on Sunday, actually, and it was kind of along the same lines as this is, is you know, business and success and just some kind of tips of things that, you know, kind of made a difference. And it's funny, I actually heard about this probably around 2000, 2001. I heard a story that a gentleman went in to see Andrew Carnegie uh, and said, I have one bit of advice for you. And he said, and that bit of advice will make a difference in your finances. And if it does, I'll come back in one year and you pay me $50,000, which at that time was you know, an enormous amount. And that one thing was, is at night, do a to-do list for the next day. That was it. And, and so that was just like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why, why haven't I started doing that sooner? And so, you know, my last thing that I do at night, instead of sitting there playing on my phone or, or things like that, I'm running over my, you know, budgeting my time for the next day, prioritizing, prioritize, you know, what needs to be done, group that time, those time slots in throughout the day. And, and of course, I'm, I'm fitting things in in between patient cases as well during the day. So, um, so I have to be very, very strategic about how I do it. And, um, but that, that would say a key thing is, is planning your days, but you're in that planning it's not just planning for business. You also have to plan for your family time and, and making sure that all those bases are getting covered. Yeah. So is that what you feel like you gleaned from that time uh, that you mentioned earlier when you had to devote that to being at home more? Is all that this was, born from that? Yeah, that was definitely, I mean, I, I was, had already started kind of the concept of doing the to-do list, but I wasn't doing it correctly. I wasn't factoring everything in that needed to be factored. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that, that was, allowed me to really um, get things on track to where I'm at now, uh, as far as being able to, to make everything happen. And, and unfortunately, I feel like, you know, we find ourselves now, our last, we have one left at home and uh, she's a sophomore in high school. And it's like, you know, you almost feel like you lost so much time because if I had been doing this so much sooner, you know, but, you know, things are what they are and you learn your lessons and you keep moving forward. And, um, you know, we have great relationship with our kids and, and, you know, we, every good parents working themselves out of a job. So, you know, we, we want them to be independent. It's kind of, it's kind of a, uh, uh, I'm not sure what word to use there, but it's kind of a uh, an antithesis where, you know, you're working hard and, and they're dependent on you for everything and you're working hard to get them independent of you. And then when they move out, you've made them independent. They don't need you anymore. Yeah. 
And now you're fighting to try to get them to just call you and, you know, just to, you know, check on them and see how they're doing and, and they're busy, but they've learned what you've taught them, you know, yeah. so. Well, the diff- I think the difference with whether it's kids, whether it's your, your clients, the veterans, um, the knock-on impact of what you do, that yeah. must be just the most fulfilling thing. It is. Uh, it, it's about uh, it's about a mentality of service. Um, and I mean, if you hear any of the, the great motivational speakers, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, uh, any of them, they all talk about one primary thing. Les Brown, they, they talk about one primary thing. You have you provide a service. If you provide a service, everything else will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to live your purpose. You have to live your passion. And if you're doing that, you're going to get a lot more fulfillment out of life. Everything else is just, you know, management at that point. Mm-hmm. So. so what were your major challenges when you first started out living life of service, essentially? Um, are we talking about like when I first became a doctor or before that? What lands for you? Any of it. What we're trying to get at is um, not just the logistical challenges, but like the heart and the head ones. The let let me kind of rewind it back a little bit. Um, I ended up homeless as a teenager. Did not have a great family uh, relationship growing up, which is why it became such an emphasis of importance for me later on. and found myself homeless. And my escape was going into the military. Uh, we had one recruiter that was in the area. I went, you know, signed on the dotted line. 10 days later, I was off to basic training and I did that for eight years. And in that eight years, um, I had to learn how to go from a survival mentality mm-hmm. to a thriving mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of how am I going to eat today? Where am I going to sleep? Oh no, there's a storm front coming in. Where am I going to find shelter to, you know, all those things are going to provide for themselves. What do I need to do to be able to get ahead and be able to continue to progress and succeed from Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a, is a huge mind shift because when you go into business, you don't have any clients to start off with. Usually you're, you're trying to get your business up and going. You're trying to make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest advice that I give people is, is that you have to goal set. And goal setting doesn't mean just writing down, you know, five main goals. And then that's what you put up on the board. You have to take those goals and you have to break them into steps. What are the steps that you're going to take to get to that goal? What's mm-hmm. your timeline? You know, what's the flexibility in that timeline, you know, and, and then what are the things that you want to be able to continue to do in providing your service along with that? And so those are some things that allowed me to be able to get from a survival to a thriving type, type mentality. But then it very much overlapped into business. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're always going to have those things in the back of your mind because you've got a family to provide for. You have you know, bills that you have to pay and, and, and do all those things. And those can do one of two things for you. They can either drive you to, you know, a massive amount of stress that can be debilitating and shut you down. Mm-hmm. Or it can be a driving force that's going to continue to allow you to work harder, work smarter to be able to get out of that situation. 
Mm-hmm. And and so that's kind of how you know the why I went back to my teenage years is because I went from what do I got to do to get out of this situation to be able to get ahead. It's the same thing in business. What do I need to do in this situation right now? We're kind of in a survival mentality trying to get this business up and going. Mm-hmm. What do we do that, to get it to a thriving mentality? You know, and. And everybody, I think a lot of people try to bite off too much right at once. It's okay to have that end product, that end idea, but there's always a process to everything. You've got to go through a process. You've got to make go through your process. You're going to make mistakes. You know, I remember uh, early on, uh, this was probably one of the, you know, and, and given the age that I was at, that I shouldn't have even thought about this or even been a a problem. I had a patient come in, I was just having a bad day. And he just asked me, you know, hey, how are you doing? You know, just general talk, things like that. And I just kind of, you know, Mm. and and he just stopped and he looked at me. He said, I came in here to get treated and I came in here to get taken care of. And I don't think that I can get that from you with your mentality that way. And left and didn't come back and it was like oh wow I've got to control what's going on between my ears and and so I kind of what a gift what a gift of a situation to be given yeah I mean it was it was you know it was difficult to to hear at the time because Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that but you know it 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 caused me to have to really stop. You have to control your emotions. You have to control your thoughts and it has to be a consistent thing. And you have to exercise what I call present time consciousness. You think about what you're supposed to be doing at the time that you're doing it and everything else gets put to the side and gets its own time later on when it's not going to interfere with something else. Mm-hmm. And, and when I learned that mentality, things got a lot better for me. You got to quit. You got to learn to put that emotion aside. You got to learn you're always going to have something. You know, there's been a lot of different ways that I've heard this phrase. I've heard a lot of different speakers phrase this way. But in life, you're always in one of three situations. You're going into a problem, coming out of a problem, we're in the middle of a problem. And most of the time, you're in all three situations at the same time. And they're always, you think that you, okay, I got this flower put out. Now you got another one started over here. It's what it's kind of like equivalent trying to put chicks in a basket and get them to all stay in there. You know, um, a more extreme version would be hurting cats. You know, you might get a couple, but you're not going to get them all. And so, <laughs> so you've got to learn how to, to manage not only just the things that are going on, but how you emotionally act towards it. And you've got to and be able to the keep it. Forgiveness, the forgiveness, because you've got all these different life categories that you're, yeah. you're talking about, that all these, the cats in all these different areas, yeah. you can't possibly heard them all you can't possibly control everything so to have that level of i think forgiveness i think that's a huge part of of it sounds like what you've been going through yes uh, i mean you know you want to talk about forgiveness um you know that that can go off on so many I mean, we could talk for another hour just on on that in itself i mean mm-hmm. i mean you think about you know we're all going to make mistakes and sometimes our mistakes are going to be a lot bigger than we ever want to be And we've got to be able to put it in perspective, not deny our our part in it to start Mm -hmm. with, because that unfortunately, you know, that's where a lot of people get make a mistake is, is that instead of looking at the situation and figuring out what their part in it was Mm -hmm. first, 
they look at what everybody else's part was in it to make justification for their part. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking at it introspectively first yeah, and figured out what should I have done to make this better first and then deal with everything else. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to have that self-forgiveness, you know, and that, that overlaps on the so many different things, you know, so many different, different areas of your life that that can pertain to, but even in business, you're going to make mistakes in business. You know, but that that's your training ground. That's part of the process. You know, yeah. and this no, it is means you're learning. It means you're you're going outside your comfort zone. It means you're doing things that you never well, probably think previous th- thought was possible, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that that's where your experience comes from. That's experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's learning what to do and what not to do, and that that's what distinguishes somebody that's been in the industry coming right out of you know the school school or whatever it is that get, they got into. Versus somebody that's been doing it for 20 years. It's, it's that process that has taken place. You know, it's uh, when I've explained this to, to teenagers and students before, <clears throat> I asked them, I said, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're asking yourself, why does this keep happening to me? And the same thing keeps happening over and over again by different people. And you keep experiencing the same thing. And the, re- the, the answer is simple. You didn't learn what you were supposed to learn the first time that it happened or even the second time that it happened. Mm-hmm. God keeps putting that in front of you because he needs you to learn that lesson. And so once you get around that block, then you're going to go to the next block yeah. and you're going to go around that one until you learn that lesson. And eventually throughout your course of your life, you're going to lay a foundation and then these couple situations here may apply to the next situation, which is the next block up. You're going to go through those and then you're going to continue to erect a temple, which is what I refer to our, our internal temple that God has built builds within us is all these lessons and experience and things that he expects us to learn and grow. And our temple will grow bigger the more we learn and grow. And that applies to every aspect of your life. And if you start learning how to apply all those same principles to each area of your life, you'll have a lot more consistency in your life mm-hmm. and, and you'll have consistency in your business and, and, and all those things. Yeah. What I, what's coming to mind right now is this whole, this, this layout of our explanation of building the temple and the example that you have of the journey you've been on and what mm-hmm. you've been able to build up. Could you share what it's like to have that? So on the outside, it, what people might feel like they're witnessing is oh, somebody who has it all together. You mm-hmm. must have it figured out because you shared what you overcame, but we all know we're on, we're never all fixed and 100%. Until the day we die. <laughs> no, we all have baggage. We're, we're always standing in line at the airport with our baggage. Yeah. Um, you know, and there, there's always something that you're going to be dealing with, but it's, uh, you know, the, the appearances of that is, is, you know, people will see certain people and they're like, man, they've got it all. They've got, you know, the glitz, they've got the glam, they've got the appearance and everybody's got problems. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how big of a house you, you, you're, you live in or what kind of car you drive or what kind of suits you wear, you know, that appearance or how you present yourself on stage. It's people always have problems and things that they're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Don't let the outside appearance, you know, that's just, that's just the cover of the book. You know, mm-hmm. if you really want to know what's going on, you got to open the book up and get mm-hmm. past the cover to see what's going on there. Because 
you may learn something out of that process. And as you go through all these different experiences and you learn all those, get all these blocks built up, what should be developing is a sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. And it should be an air of confidence. And it should be, uh, and, and for some people that's intimidating. You know, when, when you come across certain people, you know, they, they come across as intimidating, but it's because they've had to overcome so much. You know, Zig Ziglar said it. He said, when you meet great people, the thing that you need to understand is, is that the only reason that they have greatness is because they've had to overcome great obstacles. Mm -hmm. So when you meet people that have that presence, and he described as that, those type of people that when they walk in the room, you feel their energy long before they come into the room. Mm -hmm. and, and they have that presence about them. And when I learned that from him, it actually set a goal for me is that I want to have that kind of presence when I walk in the door. I want people to be able to feel me before I ever walk in the door. Yeah. And, and I want to have that level of confidence. And, and that's what I have striven for is to get that. And that's what I've actually taught my kids. And, you know, it's actually been kind of difficult for them because, you know, when you, when you raise a child that confident, you know, teachers don't want to see confidence. They want to see obedience. Yes, <laughs> It's a different amount of schooling, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. And what I may say to a teacher and what my child may say the exact same thing. For me, it comes from a parent point of being adult, but from them, it comes across as being disrespectful when hmm. all we're trying, all we're supposed to be doing is training them to be an adult and mm -hmm. for them to develop that same confidence. You know, um, even in your own business, you should be training. You should not want people that, you know, are solely rely. You want loyalty from your employees. You, you do, but you should also be investing in your employees. You should be helping them grow. Mm -hmm. And whether they stay with you uh, or if you grow them appropriately, they may want to take what you're already doing and help you expand it. Mm -hmm. Now you've developed somebody that, that you can trust to be able to hand some of these things off, some of these cats to, to be able to, you know, be able to expand and continue to grow. And th this is how businesses grow. You've got to develop people that you can trust around you. And, and the best way to do it. a ecosystem, a living, yeah. bre breathing thing that is, has a, a life and a mind of its own that needs that consciousness to yeah. go in the way that you as the business owner, you have the ultimate direction. You know the purpose. This can yeah. tweak and change. But to have every element aligned um, gives you the confidence to be able to start to step back because you can see so many other things that you're, you're looking at. And, and the biggest thing there is, is that concept of control yeah. where people struggle is that they want to control. Um, this is where, you know, people start micromanaging. They start wanting to still have their hands in everything. It's okay to step back and be able to be able to go and take a glance at what's going on. But if you've trained the people upright and you trust the people that you have developed to grow and to be able to take those places, let them do their job. Let you still them find do that those voices come back, the, those oh, yeah. voices of control, they, they still come back and you find yourself doing things. You're like, oh, no. Yep. Uh, it, it happens. I mean, there's always that tendency. I mean, it, it, it goes along with that type A personality, type A personalities. I mean, it's a control issue and you've got to uh constantly watch and monitor yourself take a step you know minute to take a deep breath you're going to find you're, you're going to find things that are going to make you mad um you know the number one principle that i have is i don't handle anything when i'm mad i don't i don't address it i don't talk to them i don't do anything until i have had time to be able to get the emotional component out again that goes back to controlling your emotions mm -hmm. get the emotion side out of it 
to, so that you can sit back and look at it from a logical standpoint. And, and hopefully you have people that are in your circle that are not yes people, but are people that will be honest with you mm. and, and be able to tell you, Hey, no, you know, you're acting like a jerk, you know, and, and, and call you out on it. And you go, you know what? You're right. You know, and be able to have those conversations behind closed doors. And that relationship and, and that trust is, is huge. Yeah. And it's hard because it's hard finding, it's hard finding people to fit into that circle because it's a tight circle. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it, that, that's probably one of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome was trusting people, period. Because for the longest time, everybody that I thought I could trust or I was supposed to be able to trust, I couldn't. Yeah. You know, they left me out hanging, hanging out to dry. I've, I had to learn and, and deal with it on my own and figure it out myself. And yeah. so, you know, you, you start to become more of a, a control freak, you know, when, when it comes to things like that. And then, so I had to, I had to unlearn that. I had to develop a sense of trust and, and figure out and identify why was I, why am I acting that way? What happened? What, what caused that behavior to develop and now what do I need to do to undevelop it right. and, and start laying out steps and plans and if you got to get help get help you know I mean every good person should have a coach or a mentor what's in your support network because I think help not being alone through this is a massive a massive element of all entrepreneurs we all think we can do it on our own we all try and plow through and there is the support that we have so close to us. Um, yep. What's your support network like right now? What who do you lean on? I have uh, the biggest thing is I, you know, my wife. Obviously, she's my number one. You know, um, I married somebody with a Type A personality as well, which not everybody can do that. But yeah. you know, um, you know, we both have we're, we're both kind of you know country type people. We grew both grew up out in the country and you know, kind of farms and ranches. And, and if you've met people like that, they're pretty brutally honest with you about, you know, about what they think. And so, um, but our relationship has always been based on that is, is that sense of honesty. And so um, it started, it really, it started with her because, you know, I was able to, you know, find somebody that I knew no matter what, she wasn't just going to sugarcoat something, you know, she wasn't going to hold back or tell me what I wanted to hear. She wasn't going to be somebody that was just going to submit and, and tell me, yeah, whatever you say is great. I didn't want that. Yeah. You know, I, did, I didn't need it, especially with you know, the kind of personality that I have. Yeah. And so, and then, and then you start learning to identify, you have to really get to learn people and know people. Um, you know, that was one of the things that I think I had an advantage in. And a lot of people have to develop that sense. Um, you know, part of my job in the military, I was an interrogator and I worked in counterintelligence. And so my job was to know people and to know how to get people to talk and, and do all those things. And so you had to be able to learn to identify personalities. You had to be able to learn how to pick people's personalities apart, know what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then, you know, at that time, obviously you've got the, you're trying to get information. So you're technically kind of using it against them. But then you flip that narrative when you get into business and you get out of that. What can I do to draw those, those positive things out and be able to use that to be able to continue to grow? Mm -hmm. and, and how can their strengths be able to benefit, you know, the, the organization as a whole? Mm -hmm. And so when you start finding those people that, you know, that you're able to develop, they learn, they respond, um, 
you know, they, they show that sense of loyalty. Mm-hmm. Those are the people then you can start adding into that circle and you, you slowly build that circle. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to have that circle right away. It takes time to develop. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I, if I could get business people to understand is, is that that process requires time and you have to be patient with the process. You have to be patient with the time. Mm-hmm. And trust yeah. process, trust, trust the, the advice, mm-hmm. trust that you're yeah. doing. And also, I think one of the biggest things that we found is trust your intuition. You, you mm-hmm. know what's right. You can have all these um, advisors and experts telling you to do a certain thing. If you mm-hmm. know it's against who what you, you believe in who you are, um, yeah. you, that's one of the, I think, trusting yourself above mm-hmm. all else, knowing the way is, um, is key. Yeah. Um, I, I think another key component is you have to have a written set of core values. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a written set of core values for our home. I have a written set of core values when it comes to business and how we, because those core values dictate your decision-making processes. Mm-hmm. And so when you sit down and you have to make a decision, you take that decision that has to be made and you compare it to the mm-hmm. core values and how does that fit within the core values? If it doesn't yeah. fit, you don't go that way. It, yeah. it, you know, and it's a standard so that if everybody that's in your organization is following the same standard where that's concerned, then then you can trust that people are going to make the right decisions. Beautifully Love put. That. Beautifully put. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. McAllister, or I should I say Dr. Davis McAllister, we should be on a first name <laughs> basis by now, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody just calls me Doc, so that I'm good with that. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the attention you gave and the wisdom that you shared. Um, it's been really fun getting to getting to understand what you do and who you are. So if people want to be able to find you and learn more about mm-hmm. you, uh, where should they go? Uh, I have a website that is uh, more on my speaking and my, my authorship side and, and those things. Uh, it's just drdavismcallister.com. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I have links on there if people want to find my books and uh, go to Amazon. Um, my contact information is on there. Uh, you can subscribe and actually have a free sample of, uh, the first chapter of, of the parenting book, uh, yeah. the pillars of powerful parenting that if they, you know, will fill out, the, a, uh, an account, then, you know, they can go in and download that, that and be able to read it and see if it's something that they want to, you know, continue to read. Awesome. Um, yep. Perfect. Well, check it out everybody. And thank you again. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark. Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.